Hello, listeners. In this series of podcasts, we're exploring the regions of Italy. With the geographic size of the state of California, and with 20 regions, Italy represents a rich canvas of geography, history, and culinary specialties. We'll be introducing you to some Italian history and recipes that will help explain why Italy is such a culinary journey. So join us on Road Trip Italy. You're listening to Sharing the Flavor, a show that connects you with flavor and how to create it. In this show, we connect you with recipes, cooking techniques, and show you a little bit of the science of cooking to help make you a successful cook so you can share flavor with your friends. I'm your host, Andy Gebby. In this episode, we will continue our exploration of Piedmont. With the region being so important to food and wine production, we needed to spend more time exploring. Vanessa and I learned to make some recipes from the region that highlight the risotto, beef, and wine that make Piedmont a culinary powerhouse. So join us as we continue to celebrate Piedmont. So I want to hear about your party. Or, or would we get to that like when we get, officially get to the first course? You can, we can talk about it however you want. You, well, it's, your, it's your deal, Andy. You're the boss. Deal. Ooh, I'm nobody's boss, but I do I do like throwing a party, so. <laughs> no, you're just boss, which is much better, by the way. Boss, yes. <laughs> uh, you're not the boss. We'll leave the fucking boss out of this. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> So are you saying am I, am I, am I, am I, am I, so I'm boss, but I'm not Bruce Springsteen. Is that no. what you're saying? No, you do not want to be Bruce Springsteen right now. Okay. Old hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be continuing our journey through Italy and we just started in Piedmont. And there's so much to explore, and there's so many culinary things to explore in Piedmont. It's it's a culinary extravaganza, so we couldn't fit it all into one episode. So we we have our part two episode here on Piedmont, and in this one, we're going to be featuring some discussion about wine because it's a it's it's one of the most important wine growing regions in Italy, if not the world. And we're also going to be featuring risotto and beef. They're, they're known for their prized beef, specifically uh, a brisata and a incredible, I tell you, Vanessa, when I saw these pictures, honestly, I was drooling when I saw these pictures of the, the torta. So I can't wait to talk about that too. Thank you. That was, I am a huge fan of that kind of stuff. So I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun to make and very simple. But before just, we begin, it, it though, guys, um, in case you put this up and anyone listens to it, if anyone hears or wishes to donate, uh, any foodie that is, because the most important and productive region regarding food in Italy is, has been terribly damaged. I mean, really, really badly damaged, both by uh, very incompetent uh, governance and, of course, by an unusual amount of rain, which has caused many billions of dollars of damage. Uh, to farms, that's the Emilia Romagna. That's the the big one with Parmesan cheese and all that stuff. So, if anyone listening to this, you hear about how you might donate, don't ever give to the large. If you have more local OMGs, local people taking care of it, please do so because they are in real trouble, and mm-hmm. uh, they've lost the entire possibility of doing anything this year. 
Mm. And uh, since Italy's basically giving money to Ukraine instead of Italians, as they should be, they don't have, they won't even get much aid. So anyone here, don't be like Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> well, or have some respect. If you can give something, if you can, whatever, buy some stuff um, at the supermarket that's from that region, Parmesan cheese, other stuff, please do so. Thank you. Sorry. Or, or if or if there's even links that you can provide, Geo, because I would I would actually put them in the show notes I, of, yeah. of local local, not large organizations, too, but local. It's, on, to it's ongoing and it's too soon. Too soon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. So we buy buy out there for the future. Buy food from the Emilia Emilia Romana region. Emilia Romagna. Again, it's hard to say because what will happen, of course, is that uh, there'll be a, probably in the coming months many will close and sell. To the black rocks of the world, um, and that's never that always leads to poor quality. Mm-hmm. Parmesan cheese is already half, more than half French, and yes, you do fall off in quality when you sell it to multinationals. There's no way around it. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, this this has been really, really bad. It was managed very badly. Forgive me for being serious a moment, but it's really very bad. Aside from the death and and the homeless, the people losing the houses, uh, business econ- economy regarding going forward of the most important region of Italy regarding food. That has been devastated, and it's ongoing. So that's why I had to interject. And I'm sorry I was aggravated because Bruce Springsteen did have a concert in the middle of that, and it should not have gone on, and he should have been at least noble enough to stop it. And he did not. Mm, I did not know that. And not only, but he didn't even mention it, and you're literally having a concert taking away policemen, ambulances, etc., to make this massive concert in a public park. When 15 kilometers away, it's still raining and people are losing their houses. And there are already 20 deaths, literally ten, six or seven miles away. And everyone says, don't go, but he did it anyway. So that's why I mentioned, you're not the boss, Andy. You are boss. And you are boss. Actually, so is Vanessa. <laughs> I'm teller, bank teller, you know, whatever. Waiter. <laughs> and teller. But not, uh, not Bruce Springsteen anymore. Or as well, in his own words, uh, uh you won't hear a sound when your whole world comes tumbling down, but I'm going to town for easy money. Yep. Let's get back to the Piemontese so buy and goods from Emilia Romagna. More important things like Scottona Brasato. Scottona is the name of the of the famous kind of like Angus. And Vanessa's uh, expensive uh, result, though, which I wouldn't have done. I would have drunk in the damn thing or put in the. Actually, in Vanessa's case, I would have shoved it in the in, in the in the in your basement. What? Oh, this is this is the twenty seventeen bottle you use, the two thousand seventeen. It's a pretty good bottle. Oh, I, I only use like half a cup in the risotto. I drank. I drank the rest of it. I was going to waste it on risotto. <laughs> Smart girl. Oh, that's no. better. I'd shove it in the <laughs> oven and shove it in the basement for a good five, ten years at least, and. Then no. drink it. What if, what if I die? And that bottle was left <laughs> drunk. Drink it in the moment. Yes. So, and you had friends over to enjoy it with. Yes, which I did. Is the most I didn't share it with them though. I drank it by myself. <laughs> no, seriously. You hold it up like, to them, saying, like, "Don't you?" I wish mean, you I love this? you all, but fuck you. This is my wine. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can drink the you can drink the Nebbiolo and the there was another bottle from. Uh, the Abruzzo region. I can't remember what it was called, but um, yeah, that that was fine for them. Yeah, I did the cooking, so, so you know, I deserve I deserve the bottle. Yeah, exactly. 
to to the to the chef goes the wine. Yes. I think that's a pretty I think that's a pretty decent standard. I honestly. think it is as well. And and this nonsense about saving stuff. Uh uh-uh. uh. This is also why I open mm. my Christmas presents early and why nobody lets me have my Christmas gifts early because I will open them the minute I get them. I don't wait till Christmas. Because again, <laughs> what if you die? What if I died with unopened gifts? That would suck. Right. Yes. I I think there's some validity to this this life philosophy of mine. I really do. Well, I so speaking of wine and Geo, I know you mentioned this previously in, in a podcast because you you were a huge fan. It was a twenty. This was the ninth. This was uh, the year. This, what was the year? Was the nineteen nineties, Geo? For no, not nineteen nineties. A year. The nineteen ninety particularly vintage was extraordinary. And Barola and Barbarescos both have uh, are very heavily influenced by the year, mm-hmm. by the vintage, and, and yeah, so that's why we drank a whole bunch the nineties end because that's what I grabbed there and here, and good stuff. But that's then. Well, and the and the, and the general area that it comes from in Piedmont is called Lange, which is has several different regions to it uh, and some of the names would probably be pretty familiar to people which is Barolo, Barbaresco, mm-hmm. Alba, Nebbiola de Alba, um, uh, Dolcetto. Is it Dolcetto? Dolcetto? The, Dolcetto? The thing is we talked about, I don't think you forgot, but and the, the big grape that makes, that has you know all the tannins and that is Nebbiolo. North or I should say high, slightly north, but more that way, so to speak, and in slightly higher altitude, you make uh, 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 Barolo. And they, because it's at a slightly higher place, um, and you have, it was a sea bottom, you have tannins that will make it uh, longer lived and more rich and round and broad and deep. So it's world-class wine, but you have to wait 10, 20 years before it gets to its peak. And in a good year, it can go, like the 1990, it can go who knows how long. And this means, of course, that um, you'll have to put a straight jacket and inter <laughs> in cement um, really badly uh, uh, Vanessa and not, you know, I don't know, put her in like a, a padded cage until she actually now, can wait 20 years. That sounds like a form of torture for Vanessa, mm-hmm. right? So you you would hold a bottle of 1990s, you know, Barolo. Yeah, you, you sound like her. those articles I read occasionally where they talk about things to do with leftover wine. And I always ask, what is this thing what leftover called leftover wine? wine? I've never heard of anything, such thing called leftover wine. <laughs> right. There's a leftover wine bottle. Yeah. But the wine itself? Yeah. Uh, leftover. <laughs> leftover wine nonsense. <laughs> Anyway, uh, if you can't do that, however, it's a shame because the wine does get, well, if you get really rich, you can just buy the stuff that someone else has aged for you. This is true. Uh, Absolutely. And that's that was one of those things which we were going to do, uh, but we never did. Not Andy and I, but his cousin and I, but you can still do it. They're much more expensive. And you really have to wait that long before they get to their full harm, nice harmony jive etc barbarescos instead have a more immediate even though they're also uh rich and i p- sometimes prefer them if they're extremely well made uh, because you can get a lot out of that that fresher less 
involve tannins, slightly lower altitude, slightly to the south and east. I'm sure you'll see it on there regarding uh, uh, Alba. And then there's Nebbiolo itself, which is just the grape, which if you're not in those regions, if you're closer to Lombardia, or, or, uh, then it, it is just plain old Nebbiolo. I had a bottle the other day. And it's called uh, the Lange, but it has a specific microclimate so that you get a lot of uh, uh, um, dryness in the afternoon and humidity during the morning. And so it's really tough to make uh, Barbaresco or Barolo or even Nebbiolo by and large outside of that region of Italy. Some people have tried to, but with basically without almost any success. You basically have to make it there. Because, because of, of the microclimate itself. The grape likes that microclimate. And it's great stuff. Again, um, like all, uh, not all, like most uh, European grapes, it went through the problems in the last century, at the end of last century, where a U.S., uh, what was it called? The U.S. parasite uh, destroyed much of the vineyards in, in Europe. And so almost all of those. Oh, that's right. Didn't that happen to the French? The vineyard, like there was... There was like a okay. wine shortage in France. I remember reading about it. It was like and the so world. It was like the world ended. It was. It was terrible. It was. And so, what the, mm-hmm. for you, actually, Vanessa? What would you do? It was an international <laughs> crisis. Seriously, right? No, it would have stimulated. It was like, it was like find- during COVID when you saw people running out of Costco with their arms loaded with toilet paper. That would have been me, except with bottles of wine. <laughs> I don't know. I think you would have been been spurned to find the solution. And they did. They most of the European wines now have U.S. roots, and then you put onto those roots the European vine. So you have American roots. The difficulty, the difficult, the change in that means that the older European stuff uh, uh, had wine or vineyards which would last a, a vine plant which could last even a hundred years. The American ones, unfortunately, last only about twenty-five to thirty. And then you have to replant. I don't know, know what the difference would be because you have to be then and have the same person or find, and there are a few bottles from the late 1800s that were made from those those vineyards. I would have loved that would be a great study because there are some wines from 1800s that are still absolutely fantastic. And I'm wondering if those things can ever be reproduced again. Anyway, hmm. and so they have almost all of them uh, have American, actually probably all of them, because the only place you couldn't do that is where you had really sandy, sandy uh, soil and in a very hot, dry place. And of course, so, that's so not... inclu- including the Longay region also went through that? Or oh, is yeah, that more? Yes. Yeah, and the only oh, places wow. that didn't would be if you had sandy soil and hot and not too uh, 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 humid, because I think it was a fungus. And therefore, there are some places, probably in Spain, there are probably some, some places in southern France where you probably have some autochthonous. Maybe in Italy too, some autochthonous uh, grapevines that were able to resist, or that didn't uh, didn't succumb to the invasion. But most of the grapes, like all of the famous French grapes, Tuscan, etc., they all have American um, roots now. Anyway, interesting. Uh, and so, so get, I mean, getting back to the the wines from here, and you were mentioning about the Barbaresco, Dolcetto. These are in, and Barbera. So these are different. Grapes. You know, Barolo is a Barolo is like a a king, right, of wine, right? And it's also very expensive to get. But these, but uh, Barbera and others can be a little bit more affordable, and they're and they're because they don't require the amount of aging that Barolo does. Is that no, it's not so much the aging? Um, obviously, they don't require, it, but it's 
they don't have the same complexity of tannins. You can still get great flavor. So most of the time for Barolas, you'll almost always have a nice passage in, in wood at some form, which helps give it a good amount of, of complexity and nose and richness and depth. Uh, but you can have great wine that just goes through a nice big metal vat, grape juice, squeeze it up, <laughs> ferment it out, <laughs> and drink it down. Uh, and they have a fresher feel. Like Barbera, I like. But so well with our Barbera has a nice uh, fruity undertone. Some snobs before didn't appreciate these wines as much because they don't have an international style, and they are very, particularly the lighter ones, direct and fruity. They're not mm -hmm. that really deep things like from Bordeaux. But in reality, there's a complexity there when it was well done, which equals any place in the world, including anything the French ever made. And they were just great wines. They're still great wines. They're very individually made. Um, the difference between person and person and and, 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 and farm and farm is enormous. And it's up to... It's the geographical location that gives it its DOC, that gives it its, its, its officially this, uh, made it from this grape, etc., but within there, they don't have a strict way of how to make it. So there's a big difference between this person and that person. Because some people put, put it in, in barriques for here. Some people will use a, a, a different kind of container, et cetera, et cetera. Some will use just metal. It's very different from place to place. I thought it was interesting, too, when I was looking at this. And I'll put this in the – this is from Wine Tourism that – in uh, 2014, Lange was placed on the UNESCO World Heritage list for its cultural landscapes and for the living, kind of a living testimony to wine growing, which makes it just unique and amazing. To envy. That is what it is. Well, you guys can imagine what it feels like to, to grow up and then you, anywhere, anywhere that makes wine, you, you feel it. You don't use, you know, you, you, you grow up with the sense and, and, and the feel and going out into the vineyard, having the result. It's marvelous. Yeah, I would agree. So, and what's, and we're going to get to it with our menu. So I guess we should talk about our menu today for that we're in, and we're in the wine region and we're cooking with wine. Specifically, there is, so we're starting off with a, with a dish that uh, Vanessa made. That's a risotto dish. And I had, honestly, I had never seen a recipe that had red wine in it for risotto. So I am really, really intrigued to hear about this recipe. So this is a risotto al barolo, a salpicha. Uh, salpicha. With sausage. Yes. This is not, I'm going to intervene just a moment. This is a, a, a risotto. But risotto al barolo is a different, don't get mad at me, but it's a different recipe. And you don't use a cup, you use the entire bottle basically. And it's only... Well, I wasn't going to do that. So I'm, I, I'm calling it my version <laughs> of it. Vanessa chose correctly. Okay. It's my version of it. Yeah. It was made with the, it's her it's version of it. Cup. And she drank it's the rest of the Barolo. I the Barolo and I drank the rest. So it's and, my version of... And I, I would agree with that because it's, it's a pretty decent... I'm with the, I'm with the chef had, on that one. If I'll look it up real quickly. The Risotal Barolo is, but unfortunately, it's a very expensive dish to make now because Barolo has gotten that expensive. And you do have to use good stuff. Otherwise, it's doesn't really make sense uh, well and we so we also have for our menu so that's our that's our first course is the risotto followed by a dish that i made that i really enjoyed making which is the brisata 
And the link, the Brazada's Al Barolo. I did not use Barolo, and I wasn't. I, I'm, uh, but I did use a Nebbiolo, and it and the neb, and it did have an effect on, on the. This is a this is a meat dish. This is essentially a roast, a beef roast that you're cooking in wine, which was fabulous. And it looked really, 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 really drool worthy. I'll, I'll tell you, and I tell you, on top of the risotto, it was like lights out. Mm-hmm. It was really, really good. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for sweets. So I can't wait to, to hear about the dessert round, which is a torta di miocioli e cioccolata con crema, which is completely drool worthy mm-hmm. at this point. Thank you. So let's talk about risotto. I, I've, I mean, I've made risotto. So for our dish, we made a more very traditional risotto, which people will use white wine. They'll use chicken stock, certainly Parmesan cheese. This has none of that going on. This, so this is this is very different. So I want to hear about this yeah. risotto. So uh, as part of the research about the food from the Piemonte, one of the things that I read about, or two of the things that I read about, is that that's it's a it's a very well known rice growing region, the um, arborio rice that's traditionally used uh, in uh, in risotto, and then of course the the barolo, which um, you know Giovanni was telling me that I totally fucked up the recipe. So yeah, you know it's what I do. What can I say? But you fuck up no, the kind recipe. Of was it's by, not like, the same Julia recipe. Child that's all. Said, don't give me that even It's I important. Su- what? I didn't hear you. It's not that it's, it's just the names. It's a great risotto that you make, but risotto al barolo is a specific. Okay, it's big Vanessa time dish. risotto al barolo. No, it's Vanessa risotto, risotto salsiccia. <laughs> Don't get mad. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> it is Vanessa's great risotto al salsiccia. Yes, as I was saying, I, when I made it, I was channeling my inner Julia Child, and I believe her. The quote was, "You know, sometimes <laughs> I, I cook with wine and or." How the, the poco? I cook with wine. Sometimes I even put it in the food, something like that. Yeah, that was sort of how I was approaching <laughs> making this. Quote. Yes. So it's your basic risotto. Uh, in this case, I started off with uh, a sofrito. So that's chopped onion, chopped carrots, and chopped celery in uh, butter and olive oil. Sauteed those down. And then I added in the, uh, the salchicha, the little bits of sausage, and cooked those until they got nice and brown. And got, then, so you put in the rice at that point. And normally, when you're making a risotto, that stage is called tost. I think tostar, tostar rota, tostarita. I can't remember. I got this method from a friend of mine who's a who's a, an Italian chef, and he's and, very, and this is toasting. This is toasting the arborio. Yes, correct. You, to, you, you toast the rice usually. Um and. I think in this case it didn't toast as much as it normally would because I think the sausage gave off some of the fat, but it still was good. Uh, and then you, so you stir the rice around. You want to make sure it gets all kind of coated with the oils and the, the vegetables. And then you throw in your splash of, uh, in this case, barolo. So I used about, I think I probably used a good cup. And you know, and then like any, any risotto, you basically stir it. You stir until the liquid... Um, absorbs into the rice and then you ladle in another ladle full of liquid and in this case I used a homemade beef stock because I had made short ribs a couple weeks back and I saved the bones and I roasted them because I knew I was going to be making this and so I had homemade beef stock which was pretty goddamn good if I do say so myself but it looks thank you and then you know like like any like making you know caramelized onions or polenta, you stand there and you stir for 30 minutes and you add in a, you know, ladle full of liquid and stir until it absorbs. And it's very Zen. 
you know, you just stand there and, you know, if you're, if you're lucky enough to have your friends over, you know, they come over and they'll re refill your wine glass so you don't have to leave the stirring. And it was just- It's, it's true. It's almost like a social moment, yeah. right? I mean, oh, you're, it's kind of like therapeutic, right? You're just sitting there mix, mixing your, your risotto, yes. having your wine, chatting mm -hmm. with your friends. And it's you know what's really funny? Cool. I've noticed is whenever I make risotto and I have friends over and I'm standing at the stove stirring and listening to them talk or they're, t they're talking to me and we're drinking wine, they I, it's almost like they're in therapy as well. And so I, I've been like, I've been the recipient of many, you know, confidential confessions over over the past probably say 15 years <laughs> since I started making risotto it's like people just think you're their 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 psychiatrist so i heard about things that i never wanted to really know about but that's okay uh, i won't go into detail but <laughs> Wait, so, you so all know be... who you are out there you psychos anyway um <laughs> so then i basically just plated it and you, i have some pictures there and i uh, you just you plate it on, on on your beautiful plate and you take a lovely picture of it and then in my case you know you can see my there's a glass of wine and that was the remainder of the barolo that I refused to share but I did let them all drink a bottle of Nebbiolo so I'm not a total bitch you know I did share some of the wine and then they got some of the risotto so they did got a little bit of the wine but I was like I was gonna say I mean they they you did the hard yes, work as a I chef. did they they ate they ate the food. Uh -huh. And I made the to dessert the, to the, too, so they really had no right to complain about anything. So, I'll call. I'll, I'll coin a phrase: "To the chef goes the Barolo." So good nice, for exactly. For, yeah. Thank you. So yes, it was lovely. So that was my <clears throat> Vanessa's uh, version of risotto. Risotto al Barolo con salsiccia. Risotto al Venezia. Giovanni Franceschini. <laughs> you know, one of the things I noticed about eating risotto with a Nebbiolo is the tannins from it, they just work with the creaminess of the of the risotto. Yeah. They just they just work so and it was well a, such a it was a really different experience because I'm used to using having risotto with uh, with white wine. And so obviously you mm -hmm. can see that it affects the color, but um it was just yes. delicious. It was really, really good. I, I believe this would probably have to have a very rich, intense mm -hmm. flavor to it. Yes. It's while still being creamy, you know, as any mm -hmm. as any risotto. And then, of course, I put it at the very end some uh, freshly grated uh, grana padano. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, and butter. It was I, fantastic. I'm, I'm imagining a bit of butter too. Uh, no, but I put butter in at the very beginning when I was sauteing the sofrito, but I didn't put butter on at the end. Am I going to hell for that? No. <laughs> It's, if you like it, it's cool. Forgive me for being Adam. It's one of those recipes, though, that is you know a bit iconic, and that's why. No. Risotto al Barola. Sorry, Vanessa. It really is risotto. I put the link in there. You can take a look at it. Uh, it is risotto al Barola. It's just that's what you do. And it's it's really good. I've had it a couple of times. I ain't going to make it cause anymore because it's too expensive, but it's it's really good. It's a different... It, well, it's... About it's Piemontese. Nothing wrong with I, using Barolo. I want to try it. Investing just, and, and, and having a good salsiccia, which is cool. To Don't me, look it's... Look at me you know, that I've way, had, Vanessa, for heaven's sake. I'm not looking at you anyway. <laughs> I'm only trying to be the, the arbiter I'm not of looking. I'm not even looking tradition. at you at all. I'm looking at the, the recipe that Andy put up. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready for our next course here of brisato. For me, it's brisato al nebbiolo, not al barolo. But this is so... We've gone through our preemie mm. dish, right? And now we're getting to this. And this was this was a journey, but it was really satisfying when we were done with the journey. So this is, so uh, Brizzato al Barolo is, you know, the, from is a beef dish. You're essentially taking 
a, uh, and I think they, they refer to it here. Let me go through this. I was just going to ask, they what kind of, me- of beef did you use? So I believe I used a beef chuck okay. uh, that was about two, two and a half pounds worth of it. When I, honestly, when I showed the beef, so they call for a beef roasting joint, which I, I'm not familiar with that kind of, that, that term. So I was talking with, you know, the butcher about this and I wanted mm-hmm. to get just the right cut of meat for two and a half pounds. And so what this calls for is you're using Barolo's part of your, or Nebbiolo in my case, using that as part of your marinade and you're marinating the beef along with the, you know, you're uh, marinating the wine with the beef together along with onion, celery, carrot, um, and letting that sit overnight. So overnight, good long time. And you're supposed to be turning the meat uh, to make sure you're getting it coated thoroughly throughout the process of doing it. So there's a lot of, you know, TLC involved with getting the marinade just right. And so we did that. And then when you're done with uh, the marinating process, you tie up the beef, right? So you're you're tying it up and then you're braising it. So we did this in a uh, French oven, right? Where you're braising it, you're combining a lot of butter with it. You could be provide, you could also be using, I saw another recipe where they were using um, butter as well as prosciutto, right? To, to create a rich fat, to be able to, braise the beef in. Uh, but we just did purely butter for ours. So we, so we braise the beef uh, on all sides to give, to make it nice and brown. And then while we were doing that, we had to take the wine from the marinade and reduce it by half. So we were kind of cooking that stock or that wine down and reducing it by half. It still had, you know, and then we're adding in the thyme and the rosemary and bay leaf to it. And once that's all cooked down by half, you're adding that to the uh, to the beef and cooking it low and slow for two and a half hours. And it comes out, you know, like butter. You know, the it's it's amazing the effect that the wine has on the beef. Not to to mention the cook. It was intense. I mean, and you can smell the neat thing is like when you're cooking low and slow, the smell just Mm. permeates the entire house, right? So we had this, this amazing smell of, of braised beef in the house and to go with that. But here, here's the thing is when we tried that, so, you know, as, as it was getting close to being done, you know, you start, you take the beef out and then you're making the sauce by continuing to reduce that. And I actually used a trick and I don't know, this may not be everybody for, you know, you're cooking it down, you're taking out the bay leaf and, and but you're keeping in the thyme and the rosemary. And I cooked it down, and I actually wound up uh, pureeing it afterwards in a um, in a Vitamix to give it a li- to give a little bit more body before I put it on top of the the um, beef. And I liked it. May not be for everybody, but I liked it. Uh, it looks like I was it made a that, really good gravy. It did. Oh, I, I I'm like drooling over it, here as I listen to you. <laughs> well, and the, and the whole thing is while I was doing that, my my daughter who also cooks, she she made a risotto, a traditional risotto, you know, with you know with chicken stock, well, white wine, and and in this case, we added a little bit of fresh thyme to it and Parmesan cheese. But to me, it's the the and, I, and I'll put a picture up of this on Instagram. To me, it's you know you get one of those bites when you go through the beef and you're having the the risotto with it. It was just perfect. So I, I literally felt like I was in Piedmont, like enjoying this dish with the family. It was sensational. Yeah, it looks it looks so good. I'm I'm, yeah, it, oh, yummy. Mm. I'm starving. <laughs> I'm and, and, I, and now, as I, as I was making it, I could totally understand why mm-hmm. 
you know, Piedmont is, you know, their whole philosophy is, you know, slow food, right? You, I totally get it now where that's slow food cooked over time. You're, you're kind of breaking down this beef and it making it kind of fork tender type of thing in the process. Yeah. Uh, I completely get it. And I, and I understand the layering of these very rich things on top of creamy things like risotto or polenta like this, this recipe actually called for polenta, which I, w- I would totally make again. Uh, just to try the polenta with it. Cool. You can save a little bit of dough because um, you can use also shoulder instead of instead of instead of filet. Um, oh, really? Okay. The traditional recipe actually calls for shoulder because the filet is pretty damn expensive. Center cut. The the thing is, he's using the center part of the filet, which is also really tender. He's even whereas here you usually use the shoulder. It's funny because I was looking. I thought it was. And it calls for the Capella del Prete. So I use the tradition, the the beef Capella del Prete, scusi manso. And it translated to me as beef priest's hat. Fantastic. <laughs> nice. Marvelous. Cool. That's awesome. Very cool. Find, it, find the link and put that into the chat here because I will, I will include that. That's cool. <laughs> it's also Joyce's favorite dish, except on the other side of the peninsula. Every region Italy really? has so that. This, well, this, so every every region Italy has that. It's the Sunday dish, and they use so the so the so the brisata is uh, is James Joyce like a favorite was a favorite dish of his on the other side stracotto um, in the Veneto because he, he 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 was in Trieste um, but every every region of Italy has the low and slow Sunday meal uh, mm-hmm. with local meat and. Um, Piemonte is pretty rich. It's where the you know king was and everything else, and and uh, so you have you know beef. As you get farther and farther south, you get little tiny pieces of beef stuffed with something and put in a red sauce. And you, <laughs> instead of having you know rich expensive risotto or you know polenta, a little bit of pasta, egg pasta, no. Pasta with water instead of egg. <laughs> the farther south you go, the poorer you get. But they all have these low and slow, marvelous dishes, usually made by women, uh, grandparents, Sunday, pervading the entire house with scents that are fabulous. And you would eat it over two days because you get, even with that, you can make a pasta dish out of the sauce, what remains of the brazata, which is really good. Mm-hmm. You, make it, you eat it at least twice. Anyway. And that's in Piemonte what you what they have, and anyway, it's it's just like uh, beef bourguignon. It's the same beef uh, French dish, the Julia Child dish. Beef bar- bourguignon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bourguignon. I thought. Yeah. yeah. Brazat, and you get really good wine, so it fits perfectly. It looks really good too. It does. Like having the nebbiolo nebbiolo like with it, it's there's some. Too. Yeah, there's just something. There's just something about having the right red wine with a creamy dish and beef. It's just yeah. really out of out of sight. Yeah. So. That was the reason why I didn't want to mention is because um, uh, these are old things, and in, in Europe we don't have, we did not have. It'll happen quickly. Uh, multinational things, so everything fits together itself. So you wouldn't make that dish with a different kind of grape or wine. You'd make it with a few different because it'll it'll be it'll change a little bit. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you don't even have that kind of wine, so you don't have the brazato like that. At least farther south, you make it in 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 in, in tomato sauce. You make this long, low, and slow. Boil so you were mentioning sauce. about that before. Uh, this would be 
So this would this be like south and like Campania and places like that where they have these really intense meat tomato sauces? Yep, which you don't have in the north because you're rich. <laughs> you can have straight beef <laughs> with really good wine, and usually with polenta or risotto, depending on where you are, closer to the mountains or closer closer to the rice fields or closer to the to the to the wheat and to the wheat to the corn. The mountains usually make polenta. That was their bread and butter and orange juice, and that's what they would eat, just polenta. And if you can get some meat with it, cool. Looks delicious, just like Vanessa dish. Really good food. It's just, it's, you could see where this type of food, you know, um, it would be immensely satisfying, you know, great to, great to share with others. Like, this is a great, to me, this is a great kind of like get together with people type of food where you're cooking low and slow. Yeah. So getting on to our, cause this, this is arguably my favorite part of the episode here is talking <laughs> about dessert. <laughs> when I saw you this, you and that sweet tooth of yours, Andy. I have a massive sweet I tooth. Know. I will, I will, I will, I will wholeheartedly admit <laughs> it. Um, and I, <laughs> I love hazelnut. So here I'll, I'll bring it up here. So we have a reference to, I, a version of the recipe. I I don't know if this is the exact one that you that you did, um, but this is the uh, torta di nocciole, which is a hazelnut cake. And in and in your case, uh, Vanessa, it was a hazelnut cake with chocolate yes. cream. Yes. So torta di nocciole con chocolate crema. So what I did with the cream is because the the cake itself is so rich because it's made with toasted hazelnuts essentially is I put a lemon in the cream because it was, it was very rich. So I needed something to offset it, but the cake itself is very, very simple. So basically you take about three cups of, and I, I found um, hazelnuts from Piemonte on amazon.com. So I ordered them. You toast them and you can see that, you know, where you toast them, you can see how they start to get dark. And then what I did is I put them in a, a colander, and I just shook, mm-hmm. covered it with a towel and shook it around and all the skins fell off. So I didn't have to sit there and nitpick all the, the skins because skinning hazelnuts is a pain in the ass. And then... That's a cool idea. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's like, it's like you know, it's right up there with watching paint dry. It's just got to be the, the most freaking boring ass thing to do on earth. So, yeah. So, okay. You deserve the Barola completely. I know. I yeah, did. exactly. I did. Uh, you're not, you're not going to hear any argument from me on that one, Giovanni, for some, for, for a change. Um, and so then you get, uh, four eggs and you separate the yolks from the whites and you whip the whites and I have a kitchen aid, so it's very simple. I can't imagine whipping egg, four egg whites by hand. Oh my God. Oh no. Right. And so basically you combine the, oh, so once your hazelnuts are toasted, you grind them up. Uh, with whatever you have at hand. I have a, a food chopper, so I just use that. And you don't want to make them very, you don't want to chop them super fine because then it starts to get a texture like peanut butter and you you don't want that. So, so you just want to, you just want to pulse it a little bit, yes. just kind of to rough chop. Like, like the, probably the texture of almond flour. Mm, yeah. Okay. So, and then you mix in about a cup, maybe a cup and a quarter of granulated white sugar and I did about four pretty generous tablespoons of unsweetened baking cocoa, uh, good quality. 
And then you, you, once you've whipped your egg whites and they form stiff peaks, then you fold them in. And you do need to fold it in because you want to make sure and get some air in there because the air is what kind of gives it some lift because you're not putting any mm -hmm. kind of other – you're not putting in any flour. You're not putting in any baking soda or baking powder. So it needs air to bulk up basically. And then you heat – in my case, what I did is I put the oven at 375 Fahrenheit and poured the batter into a springform pan. And I lined it with a, a, one of those little parchment rounds because it's pretty sticky. You want to be careful of that. And then I baked it for um, maybe 30 minutes and then took oh, it out and let it cool. And I made the lemon. So I just whipped some lemon cream with, or some cream, heavy cream with a little bit of sugar. I think I splashed in some amaretto and some lemon and then put it on top and, well, I mean, you can see the pictures. <laughs> I mean, it looks decadent. I, got, I could see, I mean, because I'm a fan of whipped cream. Mm -hmm. Whipped cream with a little bit of amaretto yeah. it would be like lights out. Mm -hmm. It would be really good. Yep. I think even if you were to put like some uh, raspberries on top of it, it would be really, really good. Yes. Because like I said, it is rich. I mean, it, and it, I mean, these hazelnuts are very, very dense, but God, it's good. Yeah. This would, this would be something that like, as I'm looking at this and I hope you put this on social media, oh, I, will. I mean, to me, to me going through this and like having a good espresso, good, strong espresso with uh -huh. it, I'm in complete heaven at that point. Oh, well, in, in this case, we were drinking it with some um, Nebbiola wine because I had already drank the Barolo at that point. So being the, being the <laughs> selfish little bitch that I am. So yeah, I will put these pictures on social media. I didn't put the picture of the with that, ton, uh, what you guys would love to have next, next time, Vanessa, when you make that, because it looks really good. I would probably try some Barolo Kina. Andy, are you, you you're recording it. this, right? I just got a, I, I just got yes. a compliment from Gio on my cook. I got a, well, hold on. I, I'm, I'm, I'm overcome here. Let me, let me take a moment. Anyway, eh, yes. Go drink your Barolo. <laughs> it's all gone. But, uh, I'm stuck with the Barbaresco now. So, but, um, what was I saying? I forget. Oh, oh yeah. The reason I didn't put the picture of the Vitello Tonato is because in looking at it, all of those caper berries, I was reminded of those pictures of little sperm swimming to the to the to the egg, and I showed it to a couple people, and they even said that, and I was like, "Damn it!" So yeah, so I and I could no. just imagine the comments that it would get, and so I thought, "No, I won't do it." But these came out, I think, quite nice. So they really, yeah. Did. So and in fact, during my uh, my research into the wine, I actually came across this quote, which I will um, I will share with you both. Ani amori e bicchieri di vino, non si contano mai. Years, lovers, and glasses of wine, these should never be counted, which I agree with wholeheartedly. Very wise mm -hmm. statement. Put, put that in the check, so I'll, I'll make that part of the show notes. Love it. Or even better, put it in Slack too. This way, it's it's easy for me to grab it from Slack later. Oh yeah, I'll just do it that, that way then. Yeah, but um, yeah, for me, it's I, I I actually really want to try a few different things with hazelnuts. I do want to make there is like um, hazelnut uh, biscuits you can make, like you know, like little shortbread with hazelnuts. Um, oh, I want to yeah. try this because I, I I love hazelnuts, and I I, I actually want to try making this cake. This, I know you and I were, when we were both researching recipes, getting ready, I, I had listed this one because this, this is definitely on my list. I want to give it a try. I also want to try uh, another, um, uh, uh, whatever, another dessert from here called, let me go back into here, is panna cotta. Oh, yes. 
Yummy. Yeah, I actually want to try that. So if I do if I do the panna cotta, I will put it on social media. Uh, there was actually a really cool, um, uh, I think this was on YouTube by, was it Italia's, do I, do I pronounce it, Giovanni, correctly, Sesquita? Is that correct? Hold on a second. I'm looking for something out while you guys are talking. Where am I? Where What's the, the YouTube channel that we reference from time to time? Italia Sesquita. This is the Italian Esquisita, excellent. Really... Yeah, es- Esquisita? Exquisite. Exquisite. Excellent. Exquisite. Exquisito. Wait a minute. Here we go. So the, the Italian chefs making, and, and I'll put this out there. Mm-hmm. It's part of the show notes. Them making panna cotta was like, good gracious. It looked incredible mm-hmm. what they were doing. Um, so, yeah. But I, I definitely want to try the torta. The torta to me is just it's so good. on a plate. Yeah. Recommending, recommending the next time you make it is, is to, if you can get some Borolo Quinato, uh, which is a sweet wine. You don't drink a whole bunch of it, so it lasts a while. Can last a good while. Oh, really? It's, it's, it's a sweet Barolo? Really? Uh, it's Quinato, and it's uh, perfect, I think, as an accompaniment to that. Uh, I believe it. Would that almost taste like a port? What would it taste like, Joe? Uh, hard to explain. Uh, you kind of have to drink it. You can say it's in the... I think that's kind of like... You You kind of have to do that at this point, and then, Andy. Yep. You know. Sign me up yeah, for it. Right? I got no problem with that. <laughs> it's, in the direction, it's in the direction of port, but it's uh, a different kind of neat flavor. Uh, you kind of you kind of have to drink it. I can't really put it in words particularly well, particularly now for some reason. But I'm fit. up for that experience. So, I'll Put the link on there. You can find it pretty easily. You don't drink the whole bottle at once. Even Vanessa would drink the whole bottle at once. It would, be, it would last a whole Are you sure about that? <laughs> yes, because it's... Okay. I don't know. I don't think you. I don't think you know me very well. But okay. <laughs> well, hey, if you want to, you can do that too. Yeah, to me, it's. I can imagine having a. Well, you and I have experienced this, Giovanni. Is like the the long, slow, enjoyable process of eating over the course of hours, and having the first course and the second, and then at the very end, when you're having espresso and port, is just. Mind-blowingly I put some grap in the espresso, and that makes things very, very pleasant as a digestive. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It does. I was just saying, uh, there's a phrase, or not even a phrase, it's a word in Spanish called sobremesa, which I think encompasses what you're talking about, Andy. It's just the concept of sitting around at the table after you've eaten, and you're still enjoying the, you know, the food is in your stomach, and you're probably having a, a you know, aperitif or a cognac or even just drinking some more wine and enjoying the company. And uh, it just, it's, that's it reminded me of what you're talking that about. would fit too. You don't, you don't experience it as much, I think, in, in the United States because people tend to rush through their meals, I've noticed. But it was uh, something that I, I enjoyed a lot when I lived in, when I lived in Spain. And then also when it, we were in um, England and, and in um, Italy. People I'm, tend to linger over their it. meals a lot more. I'm thinking of that after yeah, the meal, actually, for that a, a good you know, basar maniac of cognac would work pretty well, too. Mm-hmm. Something oh my gosh, cognac very with pleasantly, not, right? not so much with, because you want it after <laughs> to mm-hmm. exalt, because it seems like that's a really rich, and you want yeah. something sim- so after something you, after more you, sexual and sensual. After you've had all that. Well, it's after you have this hazelnut chocolate intensity, right? And then you're kind of balancing it later with the cognac that would be really really good mm-hmm. in case you want and i put on the i put a link into the <clears throat> um de de Cappella del Prete, um which they usually use to make um uh, brazado. 
Oh, cool. Because it's cheaper. So yeah, getting 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 back to what you were saying, Vanessa. To me, I, I what I would recommend to anybody is cook like this at home. Spend lots of slow slow cooking, slow eating, lots of time enjoying and relaxing and talking with your friends is just absolutely wonderful. Oh, I agree. And you find out things, like I said, that you never wanted to know from people. So. I was going to say, so you I think you've invented mm-hmm. a whole new thing, Vanessa. You could call it like the, Confe- this would be like. Confessional kitchen. Like Anthony, Anthony this- Bourdain's book. What was it? A Kitchen Confidential. This is Confessional Kitchen. Confessional <laughs> Kitchen. You could, you could say, like, I'm, was it, uh, it would be like uh, risotto therapy, <laughs> right? So, you say, so, so we're conducting risotto therapy. It's all good, right? You know? Risotto therapy. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. But you know, well, you have to include delight. you have to include the wine with that because I think the wine's a very important component of of getting people to, you know, spill their spill their secrets. It really is. Mm-hmm. We found I mean, we found when we posted dinner parties and I th- I think the thing that's very cool is you when you finish the cooking process with when people are, you know, arriving yeah. and so they're they're having a splash of wine, they're having an, you know, maybe some type of light fare with mm-hmm. it. It's really delightful to finish cooking, you know, with people, as long as you're not stressed out, right, about finishing your cooking. So that's where all the prep and, you know, uh, comes in ahead of time yeah. to make sure you're not stressed out later. But when you're kind of like lightly finishing off cooking and things like that and getting ready to plate, it's actually a delight yes, to have people around is. because they're and actually they're they're impressed by the plating process, mm-hmm. you know, so it becomes a, almost a form of theater right mm-hmm. where you're doing it. But, it. but it's all it's all meant for the fun and enjoyment with friends. Yes, absolutely. Well, Piedmont's been incredible to, to to visit, and I know we have lots more places to visit. We're still continuing north. Um, Where are we going next, places, Andy? I think we may do Valle. That was it. I'll pronounce it wrong, Giovanni. Valle d'Aosta. Valle d'Aosta. Uh, d'Aosta. Sure, we can. Valle I would d'Aosta. suggest we go ahead and, and if we go there, sort of make a a, a, a summary sort of thing on, on some of the mountain dishes. Yes, which is all over the whole Alpine region because there are versions of the of the same dishes. This is all valets. No, type of not valets. Uh, the mountain Valdosta, uh, but you have uh, like certain dishes that are the same, um, even on the other side of the borders, uh, because it's their own sort of nation. It's also not semi-autonomous regions, by the way. Which oh, really? Part of Italy, but sometimes they don't speak much Italian. Valdosta, no, Valdosta still. Still more Italian, though some people speak French, some people speak German. When we get further that I was way, say, they probably speak French or German up there. Yeah, as well. it's very fun, yeah, because they speak Italian accent, but Italian accent, they talk like Schwarzenegger <laughs> and their names. If you see the Olympics, you see the Olympics, you see the, the bobsleds in Italy, they tell, but they're all Italian, they don't look Italian, they look German because they are German, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, people get ready for a very fun trip to, to Valdosta because it's going to be hilarious. We've already started it off practically. <laughs> Thank I'm you, sure, I'm sure the German is... jokes were going to fly. No, no, oh, no. They, these are mountain, it's gonna, it's these are mountain the... people. They are the ah. tendentially mountain people are the best in the world. Forgive me for saying it. They're the best in the world, particularly before people are incredible. things have changed. The most honest, the most... Uh, Physically yes. robust and and, and 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 prepared and down to earth. I have, I have stories to tell about that visiting Giovanni in the mountains, and I, I can attest to that. And I have some pretty hilarious stories about that too that Giovanni will remember too. So is, he, we'll a, is, that is, he, is he a Silvio in any of these? 
No, no but it's but it's but it's Andy. It's Andy. In a very, very Andy in very funny situations. Let's put it that way. So Andy in the mountains makes for a lot of humor. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. So. <laughs> How, what is what would what would Andy be in Italian? Like what your name? Obviously you're Andrew. What is Andrew in Italian? Same thing, Andrea. 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 Zio Andrea. Yeah. There we go. Zio Andrea and Zio Giovanni. Boss. <laughs> Boss. <laughs> Heading to the mountains next. Thank you both. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Andy. This is great.